We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello, welcome to episode number 29 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mother of a three-year-old. I am joined by fellow mom, Linda Brenneman. Hello there. Adult child, <laughs> Simone de Rochefort. It's the name of a great song by K-pop group BTS. That's great that to right? know. Yeah. yeah. Um, now you know. Great. We learn from Fact the Fact of the ones. day. Yes. And our guest today is Mike Micah, who is head of development at Other Ocean Interactive. And you, his name might sound familiar to you, but we're going to get back to that later as to why you might <laughs> know his name. So thanks for being here, Mike. I'm happy to be here. And the father of two, uh, That's eight right. and six. Eight and so six. there we go. Yes. Aww. Ah. Um, Nicole's looking forward to those ages. <laughs> they seem to be a little easier. Those I'm are, just saying. Those are great ages, eight and six. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, they are. All right, so let's jump into some news. Uh, Paris Games Week is going on right now. Yay. And we got some cool details uh, out of it. PlayStation ex- ex- bleh, exclusive details. Yeah. Yeah, so two new games by cool new um, Sony Studios. <laughs> Sony Studios, yes. Media Molecule and Quantic Nicole's Dream. Nicole's looking at me like, you want to talk about Media Molecule, right? I know. You I'm, talk about waiting, Media I'm waiting for her to jump in and be like, Media Molecule. Um, okay, so yes. So tell us about Dreams. Okay, so Dreams uh, was first announced at E3, and it's kind of building off of Media Molecule's history of making games where people can edit them themselves and change them up. So they made Little Big Planet where you can make your own levels, and then in Tearaway, you can kind of customize characters and put your own drawings into the world. Dreams is more like claymation than that. I guess you kind of mold characters and then animate them yourself. And they showed this extended demo. It's about eight minutes long or so. And it looks so freaking weird. Like their (laughs) games have always been just a little bit weird. Like there's this current of very odd humor that runs through Tearaway. And Dreams, and and same with Little Big Planet actually, but Dreams seems to have kind of like flipped the weird to adorable ratio that their games usually have. So weird is the bigger component and then it's also adorable. There's like this weird little adorable little teddy bear character that you can kind of possess with your, your cursor, which is what you'll use to it's called the imp. You use it to mold the characters and kind of place objects in the world and you can also use it to possess characters as if they were like living puppets and then you walk them around and control them with your your controller and it is I have no idea what the gameplay will be like and they even said in the demo that like you know it could be different from dream to dream because everyone's creating their own thing you can create platformers you can create shooters you can create whatever you want so it's I have no idea what we are looking at when this comes out, but it is really atmospheric and gorgeous. Yeah, I thought the trailer looked great. Yeah. And maybe lots of cool puzzle elements, too. Yeah, there were definitely – they were solving this kind of sliding door mechanism puzzle that was – I just have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So another cool game uh, is Detroit which is made by Quantic Dream, which is the same people that made Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. Yeah, yeah. And I love Heavy Rain. Um, I know lots of people said the controls are awful, and that's why they didn't play it. The controls were clunky. I'll give you that. <laughs> but it was great. It was such an innovative game. Like, mm-hmm. you switched characters, and it was more just sort of talking with people and trying to find things out. As rather an than Assassin's like, Creed fan, I can't criticize clunky controls. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, so I'm super excited about this. It's funny, the, the main character in this, her name is Kara. She was first seen at a demo, I believe it was at GDC. Um, in 2012, Quantic Dream, they had, the, they had a panel and they're like, here, let's show you what, what we're working on next. And this is really cool, like android turned woman thing and they zoomed in on her so you could see all the brilliant beautiful graphics and all the detail that they could go into and then they're like she's not in our game (laughs) so i was like okay tech demo you know whatever that's where she's gonna stay no she's in this game she is the main character Um, i had no idea that that was them when i saw when i first saw that robot video oh yeah i just thought it was a short film yeah, so, no, yeah, no. this is super exciting. It's them. It's beautiful. Um, it is. And it uh, looks super interesting, too. 
So it takes place in Detroit. Mike, Mike is very familiar with Detroit. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like kind of uh, like, okay, this looks great. It looks whatever. But then when I started seeing landmarks and realizing they really were going to be in Detroit, there's been so many games that are, like use the word Detroit because it's cool. And like, right. you know, yeah. made it have no idea what Detroit is. But the minute they showed a burned down building, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what, what Detroit is. So yes. it was pretty cool seeing the big arm, drillless arm and all that stuff in the demo got me excited because I know that area pretty well. And it looks like they took a lot of care with it, which means also, you know, you've got this whole kind of like android and human segregation thing going on. And Detroit yeah. is like so appropriate for that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah, it's it's super cool. I'm super yeah, excited. It's for gorgeous. It. And unfortunately, not, there's no release date. Was there yeah. a release date for Dreams? <laughs> no. No. The, the beta is starting in 2016, or the beta, as they called it, because they are English. <laughs> it's like, oh, no wonder you're so weird. <laughs> um, Doesn't every game they talk about sounds so much better, though? Like, it, I'm like, yeah, this it's is true. Great. This is really <laughs> yeah. perfect. This sounds amazing to me. Yes. Yeah, you get an E3 with all the American games. You're like, okay. That You get one that's be like, oh, my God, this is awesome. But then the next five are like... Okay. Well, it applied to that Swedish guy f- who did uh, Unravel as well. Oh, everything right. Everything he said yeah. was like poetry. I was like, I could, I just want to listen to you tell me about your life all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next news. Nintendo is supposed to be announcing their first mobile game tomorrow. Yeah, in this, their first Nintendo Direct since, since Satoru Iwata yes. passed. And this is huge. This is huge. Nintendo has never had any of their games on non-Nintendo platforms. Yeah. Mike, what do you think the mobile game is going to be? <clears throat> oh, I've been trying to think of that all day today. Like, <laughs> there's the there's the easy outs. You're like, oh, they could just do like a flappy, win- you know, flappy right, yeah. whatever game with balloon fight and, and all these things. But yeah. like at the same time, that's not Nintendo's style. And I think the whole world's going to be watching to see what Nintendo thinks the future of mobile is. Yeah, and I'll be yeah. really disappointed if it's like a match three Dr. Mario. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. I, like, I, I don't want Nintendo to go south. And like we've had a few little hiccups this year with some of the game quality and stuff. And yeah. a lot of people are worried about like Nintendo's direction right now yeah. uh, with Iwata passing. And so this is a really important uh, announcement tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be like Sony in a way, but times 10. Everybody's going to be right. glued to it to see what they, what they have to say. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of think it's got to be Mario something, I think. Maybe I'm wrong there, but... As a flagship sort of As the flagship thing, thing yeah. yeah. I don't... I, I'm pretty... I'm excited about it. Probably not as excited as Courtney is, but we'll see. Nobody could be that excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so in other news, the huge Xbox One update... Is coming out yes. in November. It's the coming backwards soon. compatibility. And also there's the huge change to the dashboard. Yes, which you have had already. So I I've... have had for good or or worse. <laughs> for better or for, for better worse. For better or for worse. Um, <laughs> you take yes. the dashboard. <laughs> yeah, the, the dashboard, uh, we just updated again oh, a couple days ago. Yeah. It works much more smoothly now. Hey. The first time Isaac downloaded the thing on, on our Xbox, this preview thing, like I, I opened it up before he told me, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know how to find my games. This is a bad thing. <laughs> but now it's, you know, it's going to take some adjusting. Breaking. And, Microsoft hides your games from you. <laughs> yes. It's going to take some adjusting, and I, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that are like, this is terrible. Yeah. You know? So it introduces vertical scrolling? Is yes. that one of the things? Yes. Yeah. And, and by f- figuring that out is where I found my games. Hey. I'm like, oh, hey, I can scroll down. Oh, wait, there they are. <laughs> So um, hmm. so yeah, we'll see. I'm cool. I'm actually honestly still not crazy about it, but yeah. Oh, Are there well. any other big changes? Like, they said that games would run faster with the new dashboard, or the new using the new dashboard would be faster. I guess just in terms of the way that it's laid out. But. Um, well, the games seem to take the same amount of time to load. Except for Peggle, which doesn't hey. load at all now. Oh, um, good. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's doing you a favor, Nicole. <laughs> yes, yes. But, I mean, that brings up another issue is that <laughs> it could break so many games. And we just don't know. And then, like, these poor developers will have to go back and retest and do their game. Uh, like Telltale and 2K have had to do for iOS 9. Yeah. So, Mike, you guys don't have any. Oh, you do have a game on the Xbox. You have iDarb, right? We do, and it's, it's the we've thankfully been part of the uh, you know program to for the stuff that's coming up with the new dashboard and things. So we've yeah. been trying to make sure that we're not going to break when we come on. We have a new update for our game coming along around this time too. So yeah, fingers crossed. But it is the scariest time because you've made all this <laughs> investment in a game. 
And Microsoft, they, if you think about it, like they've done this really big about face since they announced the machine to where they are now. So they've been doing this huge overhaul under the hood yeah. for a long time. And it wasn't something you could do overnight. So I think at the end of the day, everything from our perspective, everything's going to be so much better for the end user. But it's going to be like, you know, the, people have to take their medicine with it a little bit because <laughs> yeah. they got used to getting around the, the old dashboard and everything. So yeah. it's going to be much better, though. Things are way easier to do. It's easier for us to do multiplayer. It's easier for everything on the development side, and it will be ultimately easier for everybody on the consumer side. Oh, that's mm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Change is hard. It is. It is. <laughs> I've gotten used to it, though. I mean, it is nice yeah. that, you know, the you like scroll to, scroll to the left is where you have your sign in thing and you've got this huge list that's like your friends start a party settings oh, go to okay. all these things just right under that menu which is really nice yeah. um which all like settings for example used to be buried like four <laughs> yeah, menus you need to go back. to your settings app exactly <laughs> oh my yeah gosh. yeah and the other funny thing you know we're on the preview program you see bugs it's like you should send us bugs and so like i'm flipping through i took me forever to actually find the bug app or the feedback app. <laughs> and then that app wasn't working. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to tell you what is wrong. And you, How do you bug I, the bug app? I, yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so that's coming. I think it's November 12th. I don't remember I, the date. The two numbers in my head are 12 and 17. Okay. Uh, those are the only two numbers that I will acknowledge today. Okay. So it's one of those. All right, cool. <laughs> Um, Any other numbers are just fake. Yeah. And so the other big thing with the update is the backwards compatibility, which is funny. Like, I forgot that people who aren't in the preview program don't have that yet. Oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. You know, I've been talking about playing Viva Pinata with Anna. Yeah. And I'm here, blah, 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 backwards compatibility. And it totally slipped my mind that most people don't have that yet. People are looking at Viva Pinata like, why can't I play it? Yeah, uh, so it's coming out for everybody hey. with this new update, um, which is super cool. That Your children, it works. too, can enjoy Viva Pinata. Exactly, yeah. Well, that works It works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't had any issues with that whatsoever. That's awesome. Um, and it, it just looks like you've basically turned your Xbox One into a 360. When it happens, like oh, your friends funky. list pops up, you know, from 360, your gamer score, the whole sort of UI wow. from 360 just sort of pops up. So it's a separate part of the Xbox One? Like you, you go well, into it loads backwards compatibility in. mode? Yeah. You just see your games, yeah. like whatever you've done, okay. just like you would in any other Xbox One. But when you uh, boot up a 360 game, the UI goes back to the 360. Oh, so okay. it's like, oh, you're logging in or here's your friends. You know, there's just a certain way that your gamer tag would appear and oh, okay. how your friends would appear cool. that were specific to 360. It got changed with Xbox One. So it kind of takes you all the way back and to 360, <laughs> which is cool. Um, so Google Cardboard, hey. which is this cool thing that Courtney made in our office out of a pizza box. Um <laughs> Uh, we have a video about that up on yes, our YouTube channel. Um, so the New York Times is sending out Google Cardboards to was like seven million. I think households? it's one million. It's oh. like one million three hundred. Sorry, you overestimated there. It's whatever <laughs> the, the physical subscriber base of the New York Times is, plus uh, like legacy digital subscribers, plus like the New York Times Insider subscribers. So they're sending them the you know the cardboard materials that you use to make the Google Cardboard headset, which then you slide your phone into, and you have virtual reality on your phone. So yeah. there's actually a Google Cardboard app which has a few experiences. Like the one that we played with in the office was touring Versailles, I believe. So you just kind of – you look around and you see Versailles and it's it's really – it's interesting. It's not – it's pretty lo-fi but it's yeah. it's really cool. And what they're doing with the New York Times is they're launching their own VR app and they're showing a short film which actually if you have Google Cardboard, I believe it will be available starting November 3rd. I realize I said I was only acknowledging two numbers today but three is the other special number that I will acknowledge <laughs> Um, On November 3rd, you can watch this short film called The Displaced, which is about um, war child war refugees. And Mm. they filmed it in VR. So, yeah, the the Wired article about it was really interesting because they were talking about the challenges of, you know, shooting in 360 degrees and, like, where do you hide the crew? And how do you have someone hold a camera and capture everything around them without making it feel like, you know, you're on a set? And so... I don't know if that's yeah. a movie I would want to watch in it's VR. It's probably going to be really depressing. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh, here, get up close and personal with this refugee who's uh-huh. starving to death. Like, uh-huh. no. No, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe it'll I want be Charlie Brown in VR. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> Charlie Brown in VR. That would be awesome. I would love 2D, to, to see Snoopy. Degrees. I mean, you could yeah. go in Snoopy's doghouse. House. Yeah, that's the fantasy fulfillment everybody wants, right? I know. But how would you avoid seeing his parents, like oh. looking them in the face? We've mm. stumbled upon the core problem with the Charlie Brown VR property. <laughs> yeah. just, every time you try to look at their face, it just goes dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I mean, I would do it for Snoopy's doghouse because he pulls anything and everything out of that doghouse, and he sleeps on top of it, which and means and it's an airplane. He doesn't fit in it very well. That's why he <laughs> sleeps on top of it, I'm sure. True. But anyhow. Yeah, and it flies. That's great. The yes. point is it flies, too. Yes. <laughs> or we could all be noble and learn about child refugees. Wow, Linda. <laughs> I'm just saying. Bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> Making it real. Being the older lady here. Yeah, yeah. Police in the Learn podcast. something from this. <laughs> yes. So um, you, they're going to um, – I don't remember who it was. I think it was the editor-in-chief of the New York Times said that they are planning some other VR um, short films for 2016. I think there are at least – no, there's one going to be released in December, another one in 2016. And they also on that New York Times VR app have – a VR film that they made about the cover, shooting the cover of their April issue, I believe. Um, They're so, like, hey, yeah. look at us. We're still interesting. Yes. <laughs> are still interesting. We're, we, we swear. We swear. <laughs> it is kind of, it's interesting to me because Google Cardboard, which is, you know, the 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 cheapest of the VR devices. It's not even a device. It's yeah. an app and, you know, a freaking pizza box that you cut out into shapes. Um, it's essentially like a viewfinder like you used to use in grade school um, if you were me. Um, hey, you know what? That's, <laughs> I, I use it as a kid. Mike, I'm sure you did too. All right. So yes. there's a few masters. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Master, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're taking that format and they're carving out this path for themselves that is different from any other VR device that I've seen. Like with Gear VR, they broadcast the uh, the Democratic debate a couple weeks ago, but this is the first I think effort within journalism to create ongoing VR content. And mm. I'm not sure where that's going to end up, but it is interesting that Google is kind of pursuing that path rather than saying, oh, we're going to go and create the most high-tech device and put out these high-tech gaming experiences, put out yeah. these immersive like worlds. They're focusing on, on something that's very much more rooted in you know current events in, yeah. in our, our world. <laughs> so it, it's cool. It's interesting. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So the final news story. I'm sorry, Simone. I had to do this What'd one. What'd you do? No, no, no. Uh, so uh, Sony is no longer making any first-party games for the Vita. Simone no. loves the Vita. Why? But I'm sorry, Simone. That is a very bad sign for the Vita. I know. Right, right, Mike. Am I right here? The, it is. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> You know, there's all these great games that came out just in the last couple of months, and now it's like to hear it's just kind of like coming to an end. It's an end of an era because it's one of the best handhelds ever made. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The technology is amazing. The games have been great, but there's just not enough love for it. It's one of those sad things that like Sony finally got the perfect handheld platform and nobody cares anymore. It is it just not the right no. time? Was it the marketing? Was it the library? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, it's like maybe Nintendo should be making games on it or something because like there it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Please let them announce that. Like this is perfect timing. Like Vita, they're not doing any more first party tomorrow. Nintendo's like, we're doing them on Vita. <laughs> that would be that would nuts. Be, <laughs> we would be waking up in a different world, in an alternate yes. reality. <laughs> All of the uh, the console specific fanboys' heads would explode. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Wow, so, R.I.P. P.S. Vita. You know yeah. what? There's still good games on it. It's it's great. And third, they said that third-party developers are still working on games for it. I know yes. that means that, you know, Sony isn't really supporting it anymore, but <laughs> Yeah, it's and you know what happens with third parties when they see that the first party is gone? No. They're like, hey, no. you know what? This isn't a good place to be working. Let's move our stuff to another Stop system. <laughs> That's just what happens. You've destroyed so, all her illusions no. now. I know. I'm sorry. Well, it sounds like Mike really loves it, too, so... Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's an Mike. Awesome platform. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You've secured your invitation back to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went so far as buying a PlayStation TV. I like Vita so much. So hey. I'm that guy. Nice, yeah. nice. But you buy everything, Mike, so I'm not really Hey, surprised. don't give away my <laughs> very likable when I walk into a room and I'm like, I like that platform. 
Okay, so Mike, our guest today, like I said, he's head of development at Other Ocean, but you may have come across his name in the headlines about a year ago because he is Donkey Kong Dad. Which uh, I think I think <laughs> you said you're getting sick of this a little bit, but I'm going to make you talk about it anyhow. So you uh, you right. remade Donkey Kong so that you could play as Pauline for your daughter. So how did it get started? Well, my daughter would always come over to me when she was younger, around two, going on three, and she always wanted to sit by me while I played games. And the one game she really took a shine to was Donkey Kong. For some reason, that one just worked. I showed her every kind of game, but she really liked that one. And so for a while, I'd sit there and play it, but she'd always want to take the control and try to play it. And she actually started to get pretty good at it. I have, like, the arcade game, and she would sit on the stool and kind of get the character up. And she could clear, like, the first level, which is really hard for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can clear the <laughs> first level. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like a good parlor trick. I'd have people come over. I'm like, check this out. Like, you know, my, my two-year-old daughter can, like, beat you at Donkey Kong. Oh, my genius <laughs> and, child. Um, yeah, and she loved it, and so I decided to introduce her to the rest of the series. So we played Super Mario Brothers, My Brothers 3, and all stuff, but she really loved Super Mario Brothers 2, mainly because it had Princess Toadstool. So she would play that, and um, she did pretty good at it. It was easy to control the character, but she really liked Donkey Kong more. So one day we went back to Donkey Kong. This was like a Thursday, and uh, she's like, oh, can I play as the girl? And I'm like, oh, yeah, i got to explain this to her. Like, You can't just pick characters in this game and everything. So I was explaining to her, but she was really kind of bummed out by that. So um, that night, it just started, in my head, it started to kind of, I'm like, you know, I make games, I, I hack ROMs all the time. This is something I can do. Like, she really wants to play as the girl, so I could probably do this. So the next day, I came into the office, I was asking some questions with the guys here, working on some Nintendo stuff. And uh, that Friday night following, I just spent the whole night swapping everything out. I was redrawing frames, I'm like drawing over Mario, <laughs> oh, and moving geez. Mario to the top, and doing all stuff. And as I was going, I was posting this stuff online on Facebook, and so a lot of my friends were, like, following it late at night as I was going, like, 2 in the morning or whatever. <laughs> and uh, one of my friends, Adam Boys over at Sony, he saw it. And he's like, do you mind if I post this on Reddit? I'm like, yeah, go ahead, whatever. I didn't, like, I didn't really care. I'm like, what? Maybe I'll get, like, one person to look at it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the next day, I went to this charity event at my son's school. And on the way there, my wife's like, don't use your cell phone. Just turn it off. Because every time we go to these <laughs> things, you sit there on your cell phone and you don't engage anybody. I'm like, okay, fine. And I left it on. <laughs> And I'm we're like going through this whole thing, and it just keeps buzzing the whole time. And finally, I'm like, what if it's the babysitter? i got to go check. And so it's like, okay. So I go over there, and I have all these messages from people. And like one from a friend of mine, Steven, he's like, you know, your story's blowing up. And I'm like, oh, what did I tell somebody this week? Like an interview <laughs> or something. It's going to get me in so much trouble that like it's blowing up. And like I didn't even think anything of the, the hack. And uh, so I called a few friends, and they're like, you're on the front page of Reddit. You're like, you hit the top. And it's like, what? It was this nuts thing. Like, it just exploded. And I think it was mainly because it launched at a time where people were really sensitive to, you know, like, gender roles in games. Because you had yeah. Anita Sarkeesian doing her tropes versus women in video games and all at the same time. And I wasn't even thinking about it. I didn't even know much about that while I was doing this stuff. So it was just kind of serendipitous that all this was happening. And that my daughter just decided she wanted to kind of make a big statement like that. So <laughs> that all kind of goes big. Your daughter, <laughs> like the Monday political morning, figure. <laughs> like, good morning, America is calling. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my like, gosh. I can't believe this thing. It's like this hacked ROM. that like People hack ROMs every day. But this one was just the perfect timing. And yeah, it was great because my daughter loved it. She played it. And um, she, was, she was really happy to show people the game and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But that's okay. where that all came from. I had this brief moment of fame uh, as the Donkey Kong dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a good 15 minutes of fame. What is she yeah. playing now? Because she's like so she, six. She's hardcore six. Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah, Brothers. yeah. Nice. Very Smash cool. Brothers, she just, like, my, my, her brother, who's older, his friends come over, and it's, fear, it's, it's just really funny to watch because, like, they'll come together, he'll play with them a little bit, but then they all want to play with Ellis, my daughter, on Smash Brothers. My son doesn't care about Smash Brothers or even playing that many games that much. Minecraft is his thing. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. so the play date with the boys turns into all the boys playing against my daughter on Smash Brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chews them up. <laughs> she yeah, one at a time just like destroys them. When are you going to become like the stage father to her competitive fighting game career? Like, oh, I'm already, I... I'm, I'm already telling her. I'm explaining what esports are. Yeah. how important it is that she starts practicing now. Yeah. Good. Get in there early. All the best yeah. athletes start young. Right. I'm encouraging yeah. it. I think this is going to be a really good thing for me. <laughs> 
Yeah. You just got to be like, hey, honey, here's a game called League. <laughs> You're pretty good at that Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same at all, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe she could foray into Street Fighter. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. She probably could. Like, yeah. she's, she's getting the moves down, and she knows all the Street Fighter characters somehow, because, like, when they go to school, they come back with knowledge you never thought they could learn. And <laughs> right. It's like... Dad, who's Dulcim? And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh. But Mike, you have been making games for a long time, and uh, you even made them as as a child. Would you like to tell us how that happened? Yeah, that's, that's the, the the long shopping story that my yeah. parents. Think, thankfully, my parents like they like to shop and they like to shop for a long time. And for children, it's the worst thing ever. And because of that, I now have a career in video games because they would always go to Kmart like every week and spend two hours hitting every department, doing whatever blue light specials or whatever, whatever like their fancy was. It would take two hours. Drove me crazy. There's only so many Star Wars figures you could look at in that two hours. <laughs> and so, um. They would have these computers set up in the little computer area. And this was like the kind of dawn of the home computer with like Commodore 64s, Atari home computers and everything. And uh, it was all kind of new to me. I knew that computers can make video games. You can make video games with them. So I would walk around the store and I, they had a book section and they had a computer book section. I saw that they had creating arcade games for the Commodore 64 there. So I opened the book and I'm looking at it and I, I'm like reading this thing and I'm realizing they're saying you just type this in. And it becomes a game on the computer. So I would take that book over to the kiosk at Kmart, type in these little programs, and watch what would happen. And I started to learn how to program from that in these little two-hour spurts. So wow. it'd be like maybe like shopping trip number four after I read that book that I, I made a crude Moon Patrol game because I really like Moon Patrol. And my dad came to pick me up, and he's like, "What are you playing?" And I'm like, "Well, I made it. This is like Moon Patrol, like my version of Moon Patrol or whatever." And then the next week, we just had a home computer. <laughs> yeah, he's like throwing the books at me and everything. Like that. Probably like how I am with my daughter right now. Like, yeah, that's ESL. Yeah, yeah, that's a good dad. It's a good dad right there. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, you know, a time when like a lot of parents were like, computers are a waste of time. And video games yeah, are a waste. It's right. Like, oh, go ahead, double down on that. You're pretty good. Yeah, at that. yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, Mike has quite a few computer books and quite a few other stuff. Are they? Do, Wait, is it called the dungeon or the lair? What have people been referring to it <laughs> you know, as? It's a. It's, I hesitate to say the name, but uh, we call it the Gimp Room because oh. you actually have to go through a hole in the floor. That is true. Oh my god! Down a ladder. That is into true. This, like, yes. Space under the house. I remember that now. Build floor to ceiling. Yes, but, he has yeah. a floor to ceiling just collection of games and pop culture stuff, <laughs> and it is amazing. It is amazing. How. I, if you want to take, if you were to take a guess, Mike, how many things do you have down there? Uh, probably, as far as games go, probably between six to ten thousand, maybe. Yeah. Like, all things uh... said, like it's it's a little crazy. My my <laughs> wife really wants me to figure it out because <laughs> 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 we, we we have like two bedrooms and three uh, four of us, and so it's like, how do we deal with this? Um, and then I have my game room, which it's just like, that's the first thing on the list is like, well, we can fix this if we get rid of that game room. It's like, no. no. <laughs> I don't even uh, know how you would do that. Like, yeah, I, I don't even physically know how it could be possible because there's just yeah. too much stuff. Um, but it, it, I collect things that are, you know, ephemera or weird prototypes and one of a kind sorts of things. It's a majority of the stuff I like to grab. And so I have like a big collection of prototype games that were never released or, you know, uh, sketches and, and concept art and all that kind of stuff. Which is exciting to me. And then I have a whole bunch of arcade machines, which makes no sense because that takes <laughs> a lot of space. Yeah. I'm picturing it as like a very organized sort of subterranean museum. So it is don't, actually. It is, it is very okay, organized. Okay. Yes. It, it's, uh, it's got sections and there's like the Atari section, the Super yeah. Nintendo oh section. Gosh. and the prototype would, section. And all I stuff. would love to visit that in the VR, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Yeah, you're Make the 360-degree camera. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to figure that out because um, we actually were talking to somebody who said they had these cameras they would loan us. And I'm like, wow, well, I could take it to my room. This would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Share it with everybody. Please do it. Yeah. <laughs> it would be just like in Ready Player One. Did you guys yes. read that book? Yeah, I yeah well, uh, Ernie, who wrote that book, is a good friend of mine. And we actually made a game together called The Stacks that is referenced in the book. Oh, my gosh. That's oh. the other thing about Mike is he knows knows everybody <laughs> that is like uh, you tell ernie that is like the best book ever written i love that book yeah. i so agree good. he did such a great job on that book oh, and every reference God. in there like hit it in the feels for me because i grew up with all that stuff yeah and 
Ultraman to video games, everything. Yeah. It's almost like he based that lair in the book on your little uh, <laughs> your little personal museum. That's really yeah. cool. It's like the stacks down there in the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, since you grew up programming on the Commodore 64, what do you think is the best way for kids to start learning how to make games now with the tools that, that you know, have? That's a question that comes up a lot. And the, the short answer is there's really no good way. Not like there used to be. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not just so old. I mean, like, it, was, <laughs> it was so easy. But when you think about it, you turn on one of those home computers and the first thing you saw was a ready prompt. And you mm-hmm. could just start typing. There was no load something to get to where you can start making something. You just start making something the minute you turned it on. And we don't have that right now. And the best we have are things like Unity or Game Maker or, um, or, or some of the, the kind of tools and stuff you can find on, um, was it the, I, I can't believe I'm spacing on it, but like the commonknowledge.org site or whatever it is that has this really nice code section. And then code.org. There's yeah. all these sites mm-hmm. where you can go and find entry points, but none of them really get you to the point that you can just instantly go into something and start making something, mm. um, which is sad. So it's like one of these things that's been on my mind for a long time now is like I, I've been thinking about a way to do that again, like create an app or something that makes a universal language that's not so uh, hard to get into. Like Unity is as easy as it gets for the most part, but you still have this big barrier to entry for people who don't know how code works or what's going on under the hood or any of that sort of thing. So I'm looking for that like, perfect median. There's this um, app on the 3D or on the DS. I don't know if you guys remember this. I think it was like Little Computer or what it was called. That yeah, was I essentially so. like an old microcomputer and you could write programs in that. And I've met mm. so many kids at, at shows who use that to make little games. That is so and cool. And I think that's a testament to like how having something that simple is a great entry point for, for kids. So mm-hmm. anybody who's out there looking for it, I, I think I've got the name wrong. But you could create these apps and save them within the DS cartridge, I think, and then share them with QR codes, and you could share your programs with your friends. Hmm. And that was uh, on the original DS, or is it also on the original on the- DS? Okay, so it's not on the 3DS as well. No, they haven't done a new version of it. Ah. And I, I can't believe they haven't done that. And it's, it's I want to steal the idea basically <laughs> on a console because it's where it belongs. People can just plug in a keyboard on an Xbox or something and just start typing because yeah. it was so well done. It's basically uh, no pun intended. It goes it goes back to basic. <laughs> and it lets you create programs like that. And BASIC was such a approachable language compared to C or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Java and that sort of thing. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. But okay. do, you, do you guys have home computers growing up? Like that, if those variety, like Commodore or an Atari or some of those? Simone, yeah. Simone's a little young for those. I was about to start yeah. answering, and then I was like, no, this doesn't even apply to me at all. HTML. How about some HTML? Well, you know, I did go through a phase where I was like, I'm going to make a website. And I had like, like HTML for beginners or whatever. And oh, that didn't go far. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like there was there's a, a point in which those computers were developed and created for somebody to create their own software because the mentality at the time was there was no software, so people had to make mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And yeah. now the mentality is buy the software, and they push back the, the notion of like people making software for themselves and to solve their problems and that sort of thing. So it's just a, it's a thing that I think needs to be solved. And we have a lot of kids now. We do tours here at the studio that come through, and that question is asked every time. And I have like this little list I should send over to you guys so you can post it of – Great links for people to go on and have like a good start, mm-hmm. but it's still That'd not as great. good as it need, It should yeah. be, and that's just a, a something I'm I'm hoping that I can have a hand in solving. But I know there's a lot of other people, like Mark Delora, who mm-hmm. um, just previously was uh, you know working with the White House on yeah. initiatives like this. Uh, he's he's active in this and and finding ways to get the software collated so people and parents can jump in and know exactly what programs to give their kids. And, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make sure I send that over to you guys. Yeah. And your son plays Minecraft. So what do you think about Minecraft? I love Minecraft. I okay. actually didn't understand Minecraft the moment it came out and started to get popular. I'm looking at it thinking it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I refused to touch it. I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, what's going on here? This doesn't even. Then my son started playing it. And I, I figured, like, I have to play with him. And I got addicted. And he and I would sit <laughs> and make these huge, like, amusement parks and, like, crazy cities. And uh, I, I love it. And what I love about it is the kind of learning he has from that game. He's learned, like, just basic principles of, like, building a roller coaster or, yeah. you know, structural principles and architectural pr- principles. Mm-hmm. Um, his interest in architecture, which is weird for him to have at eight, <laughs> is really profound because he loves how buildings come together thanks to Minecraft. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't and, that kind uh, of genetic, though, too? That whole architect Yeah, yeah his thing? mom's an architect, so that's yeah. <laughs> But he really went full on himself, and he was asking all the questions 
that his mom could answer and not me. Like, uh, <laughs> if it stands up, the walls don't fall in. But she was like, oh, you can make it look like this. And uh, so, so they like to play Minecraft cool. together as well. Nice. Um, but then the other thing that he, because of that, he started to really like certain kinds of apps. Like he loves Air Coaster on iPad, mm. which for, I think for kids is a, an incredible app because it's a very simple um, entry point for learning physics. It teaches you things mm. about inertia and gravity and it does it in, without holding back. Mm. And you can create things very quickly though. And it, and it has an interface that's pretty simple. It's full 3D. It's like working in Maya, but really simplified. So at an early age, I think around five, he was moving a 3D camera around, creating gigantic roller coasters and understanding how to get the roller coaster to go over the hill and like, <laughs> complete the circuit and all this stuff. So now in school, when it comes time to talk about certain things with physics and stuff, it's just like he can't believe his friends don't know this stuff. <laughs> and so that's the kind of like subversive but awesome app that I, I think is the, the best thing I, I, I could possibly throw in front of him. Yeah, I yeah. think I need to throw that in front of Anna. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. It's really fun, and there's a, a robust community that I you put a little warning here. It's not really regulated, but okay. it's a very helpful community. There's actually I'm surprised there hasn't been any horrible things in the community. There really there's a whole bunch of kids, really, <clears throat> but it's not regulated dialogue. So uh. beware, uh, you may not want your kids going there. But uh, my son goes in there, and I kind of like supervise him while he goes in, and he's made friends there, and he's having a great. He's learning social interactions online through this very simple forum that's mm-hmm. in the app, mm-hmm. yeah. which has been pretty good too. Wow. He's learned about plagiarism. (laughs) (laughs) Why? He's like, because somebody told me I plagiarized their roller coaster. What would you do? He's like, well, I copied it. And I'm like, that's plagiarism. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Have your kids played with Disney Infinity's toy box mode at all? They have, but you know what? Um, They love it, but they fall back to Minecraft because of the pure flexibility of Minecraft versus Disney Infinity. They tend to go to Disney Infinity because they love the characters and they like to play as those characters for a while. But when it comes to creating worlds and that sort of thing, they still fall back to Minecraft. That's hmm. pretty much how I feel about the toy box as well. Like, I'm sure I would have loved it as a kid, but now it just, it feels like it's lacking kind of, I, whatever makes Minecraft feel so good is not there in Disney Infinity for me. So. Yeah, I've seen, like, my son and his friends create these very complicated redstone machines, like mm-hmm. switches and stuff. They made a haunted house that the cart goes through and turns lights on and off as it's rolling through. And I'm like, you just can't that do that. That is so Disney cool. Yeah. It's true. And I think part of it is just the complexity of the the objects that you're working yep. with. Like, it is difficult as heck to get them to stick <laughs> together in the way that you want. Um, oh, it's horrible when a ramp is just above the ground. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I've built the whole area around it. I'm like, now I have to move everything. <laughs> it's agony. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike. So your latest game, uh, is it just Xbox One? Is that Xbox it's One exclusive? Xbox One, and we're getting ready to launch the update to it with a PC version on okay. Windows 10. Cool. So this is iDarb. And uh, it's gotten pretty popular. I remember <laughs> seeing Greg Miller streaming that he was playing it. And, you know, if Greg Miller does that, then it's gotten pretty popular. So why don't you talk about iDarb and what that is? It's, it's <laughs> a game that started life as a tweet about a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> I was so busy doing more management type stuff that I was aching to get back to programming. And so I thought the only way I could really do this is after I put the kids to bed and I'll just work on some little prototype at night and just have fun doing it. And uh, I, I kind of got this framework together, and I drew a red box in the middle screen. That's where iDart comes from. It's like it drew a red box. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I put it in there, and I tweet it out. It draws a red box. What should I do next? Help me, Dev. And I think at the time I had like 50. I was new to Twitter, so I had like 50 followers. So it was basically just friends I knew. And um, <laughs> so I thought I'll reach out to them, and they can help me kind of develop this stuff. But I didn't really understand how Twitter worked because one of the first guys to respond was Tim Schafer. <laughs> and so he throws out like this, like, I think it should be this. And then like his whole army of followers kind of mm. pounced and started throwing ideas at me. And that was kind of the beginning of this thing. And it, it started to grow. And I thought it'd be really fun every night when I put the kids to bed, take all these dumb ideas everybody's throwing at me and try to put them all in and just see where this goes. <laughs> I assumed it was going to be something very terrible because too many cooks usually yields yeah. that. And so I thought this would be a GDC talk about how crowd design is the worst thing you could possibly do. <laughs> the complete... Opposite happened. Everybody loved the game, oh, and it kept so getting better. Cool. Even we here at the office were playing it. We actually were playing it more than working on it because it was just so fun to play <laughs> from all these dumb ideas coming together. So uh, we started. I started this tweet, and about two weeks later, I got a call from my friend over at Microsoft, Chris Charlie, who I'd known previously. I worked with him before, and he's See, like, I'm Simone's up. looking at me. I'm like, the same names are coming up again and <laughs> again and again. There's, yeah. there's a commonality here. There's a common thread. Yes. It's like this little... <laughs> 
uh, mafia of sorts in the yeah, game industry. Exactly. And um, he was kicking off a new program called ID at Xbox, and they're looking for software, and he had been following this. And so he's like, hey, this would be great to put on Xbox One. Would you guys want to do this? And we'll send you out some kits. And they're like, sure. When do you want to see something? And they're like, well, for GDC, which is two weeks away. <laughs> like, so we just started this. It's only like a few days old, and now in two weeks we're going to show it at GDC. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we sent it out. We got it up and running with the help of Kevin Wilson here, who's my partner in crime and all this stuff. And um, we had it running on Xbox. So I take my, like, I had the kids this day, and we're supposed to go do setup. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my kids to the pre setup day at GDC. We're going to try to set this thing up. <laughs> so we show up, and uh, I'm like, looking for where we're supposed to set up. I thought we we're going to be in some lab environment with other, like, prototypes and all stuff. And, like, I find our kiosk, and we're between Dead Rising 3 and Titanfall. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> like, God. And I had nice. a panic attack because I'm like, this isn't a game or anything. Like, what are you thinking? Like, they, they don't understand. And, uh, so I'm calling Chris and I'm explaining. He's like, oh, no, it should be fine. It should be fine. So <laughs> That ah, sounds exactly Chris, like Chris. Yeah. yeah, Chris says it about everything, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you get, the whole place could be exploding. He's like, eh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and so I, I, I set it all up and I get it kind of running and I'm like, this is going to be awful. It's going to be like, everybody's going to look at our game and then immediately go next to, to these other games and stuff. So the complete opposite happened, though. It was awesome because the next few days we had this gigantic crowd. We have all these photos showing because we couldn't believe it. Uh, people were just absorbed by this stupid game we made and would come from everywhere because we were we stole a lot of audio. Um, say, like, we were just grabbing stuff off the internet because it's like, hey, we don't have any sound. So we throw this stuff in. So people would hear like the ABC Monday Night Football theme and come running over like, is this a football game? Like what's going on? And all this other weird stuff. And so it drew everybody in, but then they would stay and they'd form teams and play against each other. And it just kind of took off from there. And the next week, Microsoft offered us the Games with Gold deal we started getting all this attention from the press. Like uh, literally a week and a half later, Wired ran their article, I think, on it, a uh, first article, and then um, Edge Magazine did a two-page spread. And I've worked on games for twenty years, and like this game just <laughs> yeah. didn't make any sense to me. It was like <laughs> nothing so about it made sense. <laughs> is the biography of your life just going to be about how you stumble ignorantly yes. into fame? <laughs> yes, that is, that is my mo. I don't yes. understand how it works, but I, I do know one thing. Like I, I, I see this a lot around here. Everybody rolls their eyes, but it's like that's not try to plan for anything. Let's just yeah. let's just keep walking well, the line. Yeah. It's cool that this keeps happening when you do something that you love and that you yeah. you think, oh, this is the right thing to do. This seems like a, you know, fun. And then it turns into something that is huge and that really resonates with people. And that's really cool. It yeah, is. I've kind of it's let great. go of the wheel at this point. And yeah. it's like, goes, I don't care. I would but, do, yeah, whatever. I'm fun doing it. Yeah. It's been going great because of it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it, it did come out eight months later, yeah. essentially. And um, we had missed our window. To get on Xbox Live, they plan these things out. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, what's the next day available? Because we're hoping to you know, get it on market and everything. And they said it would be Super Bowl Sunday, which is like the kiss of death for anybody. Like, <laughs> really? we're, that's when we're going to launch. Like, we don't even have marketing, so this is going to be terrible. <laughs> um, but one thing that kind of happened during this development is we added this ability for people to interact with a live game uh, through Twitter or Twitch. So they mm-hmm. could change things like turn off the lights, change gravity, flood the level do all stuff, and it would affect the specific game they're watching. It was like this unique way of creating a code where people could tweet to it and stuff. And so um, as we're demoing this game, like we were demoing at Twitch at one point, and they had 30,000 viewers just trying to destroy the game we were playing. <laughs> and it was kind of magical because all those people, once they realized they could play too, but from a, like from chat and everything, it, the dynamic just exploded, and people were anticipating the game even more. And um, when we missed that window of opportunity to ship it, we got all these codes to compensate because we're like, we have all these fans who want to play the game, but they can't play it before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Microsoft's like, here's you know, 2,000 codes or whatever. So we just started giving them away on Twitter. And the people who punch in the code could play the game early. There was no reason not to because it was done. So they would play and stream it. People would interact with the game, and the word of mouth started to take off. So when we did launch on Super Bowl Sunday, we had 16 years worth of multiplayer gameplay on that day. Oh my god! Wow. Which wow. <laughs> is like blows our mind because it was a game that had no marketing other than word of mouth, and it just it exploded from there. And right, like we're at two million downloads, I think, right now, and wow. it's just nuts. Yeah, that crazy. is really cool. That's so great. <laughs> but yeah. you know, there's a lot of learnings because we were talking about Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong, not country, but I was going to say like one of my favorite games, but uh, the, Donkey, the Donkey Kong hack. And um, so I, I brought those learnings over because we have this ability for people to create anybody they want in the game. They could be, you know, they could be some of the built-in teams, which are princesses, a glass of orange juice, an egg or a waffle, <laughs> whatever you want to be. And you can create your own characters and share them with your friends. You can create your own songs, your team songs, your own logos, all stuff. Because it was like, at this point, I'm like, people should be able to make whatever they want, be whoever they want. 
everything else. So that I think that really helped too because that became a big message for for players in the game to be whoever they want to be, which unfortunately is a. Uh, not always nice when you play people online and seeing what they are, but <laughs> freedom is there for anybody to do that. Yeah. Sounds Very like cool. you made dreams before Media Molecule did. <laughs> well, no way. I, I, I worship the ground Media Molecule walks on, so Me too. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment, but definitely not as good as that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, can you talk about anything you're working on now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have the the update to iDarb is important to mention right. because we're bringing it to PC and it's going to be the first cross-play game between PC and Xbox. Oh, nice. So you'll be able to play against people on Xbox from PC and vice versa and PC to PC and all that sort of thing. And it's got a whole bunch of new content. We've created more arenas. It has DLC where you can play. We have a He-Man DLC. We have a Walking Dead DLC and nice. stuff like that. <laughs> so um, when we made this game, we had a lot of people who played the game from these different media outlets. So we have like, you know, we have a Halo team in there. We've got all stuff. So it's kind of like, a, you know, uh, remember that there's this old show called uh, Battle of the Network Stars where all networks would bring their stars together and they do Olympic events. It's kind of like that <laughs> with video game properties. So it's, it's got that kind of going for us. So that update's coming out. And then we're working on an even bigger thing that's more like this where um, it, it's, it's like take what we did with IDAR, but now open it up with a, a lot more, um, I'd say, behind-the-scenes stuff. It's like part... I can't give much away, but it's it's like imagine I darb times ten, and it could be anything, and we're involving more people. It's more crowd design and open open design like that. So wow, that's, that's coming so soon, cool. and we've got a lot of people involved in that. That's beyond ourselves. That's pretty exciting too. So noise, yeah, good. very cool. All right, well, we're gonna segue into our next section, which is what we're playing. Simone's dancing again. Oh, well, you want to start what I again? Do when I'm excited about us transitioning. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I'm bored, but because, I don't know. <laughs> Got to keep the momentum going. Uh, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, despite the fact that my hands are breaking. Um, they actually feel better after I spent like eight hours on Sunday just playing Syndicate. And my roommate's like, you got to take a break every 30 minutes. You know you got to do it. You got to rest your hands. And I'm like, no, because I'm nothing if not self-destructive when it comes to my health. So I play Assassin's Creed Syndicate all day long. And it's amazing. <laughs> I loved Unity. I loved Unity. I love Unity currently. I will always love Unity. And I will physically fight people who trash talk it in front of me. <laughs> I'm not counting you, Linda. You have genuine technical problems. <laughs> I will not fight you on this day. Um, but Syndicate really takes what Unity introduced to the series and just mechanically improves on it. It's a lot easier to play. It just runs a lot smoother. It does not look as pretty. I guess they did tone down some of the the lighting and just the textures and certainly the complexity of the buildings. Like in Unity, there are so many buildings you can just walk into and explore and yeah, they all kind of have the same layout. But um, anyway, in Syndicate, they don't do that. So I think that, you know, that makes it run a lot better. But um <laughs> And the color palette of London is not nearly as pretty as Paris, but it's the Industrial Revolution. I can get by with that. Yeah, whatever, Frenchie. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they made. They sat down and they made Unity for me specifically. <laughs> They're like, she'll enjoy this, and then we'll go off. And I thought that they, I was going to be disappointed in it because I love Unity so much, and I feel like it really got shafted in everything that happened to it and the way it was received. But with Syndicate, like the characters are so so much funnier and more lovable than I expected them to be from the trailers. Like they have great, they're twin assassins. They have wonderful banter, wonderful sibling rivalry, and they're adorable. And everyone is adorable. It's just a really cute game about stabbing people. Um, <laughs> it still has a lot of the you know, silly, silly Assassin's Creed things that I think fans of the series are kind of used to by now. Like, you know, you you walk up to people and they don't, or you, you kill someone and then their friends walk by and go, oh man, how did this happen? And then they just go back to walking their programmed route. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's a shame. Jimmy's dead today. <laughs> um, one of the, the cool things that they did is actually added so many more female uh, not villains necessarily, but your your enemies in the game, you know, you're killing people who work for the Templars. They're from a, a rival gang called the Blighters, which, you know, if you form a gang and call yourself the Blighters, I think you're really setting yourself up for failure there and <laughs> hatred. Um, so there are just as many men as there are women, or women as there are men, who are these gang members. So, you know, equal opportunity murder, <laughs> uh, which... 
is what I'm all about. And you can play as a female assassin as well. So that is also thrilling. So, you know, I mean, I'm really selling this. You can be a woman and murder women. Finally. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'll have a review up, um, not on Pixelkin, but on Remeshed, our other website. Yes. Yeah. Quick plug for Remesh. It's our brand new sister site, which is all about women in gaming, written completely by women uh, with a female perspective, but not that that pushy female perspective that you might be thinking of. We're more of like the female counterpart to IGN, and we're really proud of that. Um, okay, Mike, what have you been playing? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to go to what I probably played the most recently, which was Battlefront for the beta. Um, um, which I've been playing a ton of, which mm. I felt I could play with my son because it wasn't like a you know bloody, gory sort of thing. It was it was still a little violent, but it was something where it's like I could intro you to this world of first person shooters with ad ads, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was really I, I loved it. I'm a Battlefront kind of guy. I don't play Battlefield, and I'm a big Star Wars nut, so. I really got into dying all the time for some reason. And, <laughs> like I, I remember thinking, like the first hour was I, like, why am I still playing this? But eventually, I got the hang of it, and because I did, that made me want to play it even more. So by the time the beta ended, I'm like taking down ad ads. I'm feeling like all badass and everything, <laughs> and my stuff. And uh, that was that was exciting. And now I'm queued up for Halo Five, which I can't wait to dive into because the multiplayer there is something I just love mm. on console, and I know they can't really mess that up. And so. Uh, with a new version of that out, I'm going to be probably disappearing for a while. And hopefully <laughs> for a little while, enough for Fallout 4, because when that hits, I mean, people are taking off work and stuff. Yeah. Like that, so oh, gosh. So you're choosing crazy. Fallout 4 over Rise of the Tomb Raider? Yeah, prob- <laughs> probably. Even though I love Tomb Raider, yeah. mm-hmm. oddly. Like, uh, well, not oddly. <laughs> I, I just love Tomb Raider. Uh, like, the last game was really good, and I played yeah. through all of it. I haven't pl- completed a game like that in a long time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Fallout 4, I mean, ah, something about yeah. it, like. It just feels like I have to not play anything else and just play that. Yes. Nice, nice. It is definitely the season of having to <laughs> make <awful>. choices. <laughs> it's really hard. Choices. I know, it is. <laughs> and the thing is, you'll spend $60 and be like three days later, like, i got to spend this again now in this other game. And yeah. then you'll never complete. Like, you're going to pick favorites over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know, like, we have so many. I've talked before about how little space I have on my PS4, and we have so many games. But as I have to choose which ones to delete, it's always this, like, this very small core group of games that are never getting deleted off the console and it's like Dragon Age Inquisition, Destiny, and Assassin's Creed. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. And those are gonna be my forever games, I guess. Yeah, like, mine, you have the but... Sophie's Choice kind of situation. <laughs> 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 Which game are you gonna... Which Goodbye, sucks. Borderlands. <laughs> I'm just telling you again, Simone, external hard drives yeah, yeah. are a wonderful space. thing. Yeah. Well, you can't do that with the PS4. You have to you can't. replace oh. the... Yeah, it's easy on Xbox to do it, but it okay. is not as easy on okay, PlayStation. Okay, I'm spoiled then. I swear I will eventually stop complaining and just replace my hard drive. But I don't wanna. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just like in my head, it's the hardest thing to do because it's like that thirty minutes I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting back, well, so like, I don't do it. Reinstalling all the games and everything yeah. is good. And they're so huge. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Wow, I guess I really am spoiled. Then. Yeah, you are. You should read Sony's info article about how to do it, and then apologize to me. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> on on behalf of Microsoft and Xbox. <laughs> I apologize. No, wait. Actually, it should be Sony, Sony should apologize, apologize yeah. to me. To you. They have so many things to apologize to me for, frankly, at this point. <laughs> but hey, my roommate was able to restore his account or hit the PS4 as his primary device. So well, after six months of Sony not responding, I'm glad. Hey, that's one step. Yep. That's one step. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Linda? Well, let's see. I played um, – I – roped Lisa, my daughter Lisa, into playing Disney Fantasia with me. Um, She was laughing her head off (laughs) at me. I mean, I think she said, what is this? What Are you kidding me? And then she played with me and we played against each other a little bit and she she ended up loving it, of course, because it's a great game. And then I played um, a little Assassin's Creed Syndicate and um, ended up floating in midair but, but then <laughs> i realized is so talented at breaking assassin's creed uh, games yes <laughs> i'm just i'm just not that great of a console gamer but i had 
I'd done something wrong with the free rundown. Oh. I'd pushed the buttons wrong or something. So when I went back and then I was able to play through a couple of missions and um, run down the trains and <gasps> beat up the guys with the stick. And I was <laughs> yes, like yes, having yes. a great time. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to doing that some more. And then I played um, the Land of Venn geometric defense. Geometry defense, geometric defense. Um, it's a little math game, mobile game, and uh, really fun. Yeah, yeah, nice. really a fun game. Cool. I haven't actually been playing much because I have a three-year-old yeah. who's being difficult. <laughs> um, I did play uh, some co-op Halo Five with my husband because Yay. you know he works on Halo, so I didn't have a choice. <laughs> Um, uh, so it's, I mean, it's cool. It's beautiful. This game runs at 60 frames per second and at all times. And it's just, it's amazing. And disclosure, my husband (laughs) works for 343 Industries, which is a a studio of Microsoft. And he did have a little bit of part in this game. So you can take whatever I say about it with a grain (laughs) of salt, but I think it looks beautiful. Um, and then obviously, uh, Alpha Bear, Still haven't beat that childish boss, man. Um, I did. Welcome um, to the rest of your life. Nicole, how close have you gotten? Because I've been trying to beat that stupid little butthead (laughs) boss. Yeah, I know. This stupid little baby bear with a pacifier. (laughs) Um, I've gotten like maybe maybe like a quarter past blue. Yeah, that's about as far as I've gotten to. I don't know how. I don't know how I presume you guys have beaten Bloodborne pretty easily and now you're just stuck on this. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's don't start this, Mike, if you haven't played it. Um, <laughs> no, do start it. Support Spry Fox. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great game. It is Spry a good Fox game, but yeah. it's going to it's going to take me a while. It will punish you. Yes. <laughs> and you'll like it. <laughs> obviously, Hearthstone. Um, I still haven't. I came across a warrior last night. Um, but still haven't really seen people using the new yeah. Warsong Commander card. Um, but now there seems like another hero that is a little overpowered, and that's the Paladin when he uses all of his secrets. <laughs> um, so I came up against one of those the other day, and my husband, Isaac, was watching me over my shoulder. And he's like, that's a secret Paladin. Just stop. Just stop. Just <laughs> just concede. And I'm like, really? There's another one of these? Honestly? Ah, so, um, OP. Yeah, I know. But you see, I haven't done Paladin yet as my character that I'm trying to get to gold. So it's good to know. These when tricks I was playing, in advance. I really liked the paladin. The paladin and then the rogue were my favorites, but the paladin felt super OP, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't done either of those yet. I'm on warlock now, yeah. getting to gold. <laughs> Which, you know, Isaac's still like, oh, rank, rank, rank. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I want gold, all gold heroes. That is what is important to me. I want those little animations on their characters <laughs> and their hero beautiful. power. Yes. I understand. And then the other thing that I played so that I could review it for Pixelkin is Star Stable, which is a <laughs> massively multiplayer online game about owning a horse. And, and it's a dream come true. It is for <laughs> 10-year-olds. Um, Mike, is your daughter, is she going through the horse thing or has she yet to go through? Not yet, but okay. I suspect that's around the corner. Apparently, yes. It doesn't happen to everyone, but... Um, it sure mm. did to me. Yes. <laughs> she was hardcore My Little Pony for a little while. Oh, uh, yeah. oh she's and got it in like, her. Yeah, it's she's coming. She's got a gateway drug. So yes. <laughs> yeah, so so this game, you you have a horse and you ride around and you can do little fetch quests and things. And apparently there's an evil corporation that wants to <laughs> raise the stable that everybody uses and turn it into, I don't know, a shopping mall or Classic something like that. Classic horse plot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the thing that, that it was lacking for me is that because you're horses, you don't have any, like, battles, you know, obviously. <laughs> the only type of competitive play in there is races. And you can only do races so much before you get, you know, kind of bored with it. And so, like, I have nothing against kids' MMOs. I love Wizard 101. But Wizard 101 has battles, and they're fun. Um, <laughs> Star Stable you did want, not like have this. Lady knights on on horses, yeah, maybe fighting in the star for the star stables, jousting or jousting. something. Yeah, like you, that. you want battle ponies. You want to like exactly. deck battle them out ponies. with like different oh. kinds of weapons and yeah. 
That'd be um, awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry. Write... I'm, I'm projecting myself. <laughs> you call up Star Stable right now and let them know. <laughs> well, you got your battles with the Star Stable fans. Though. I know. We got comments yeah. from people who like Star Stable. That's very, yeah. very amusing. Really, ac- I haven't read them happy. yet. Oh, they were yeah. really mad at you, Nicole. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Mad. Seriously mad? Yeah, seriously. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, okay. As we know, Nicole is old and doesn't understand the youth. <laughs> exactly. That's what I said in my review. Like, if I was 10, I would probably love this thing. I swear, when I was about 10, I was playing a game called Championship Season, where, you know, you would unlock five horses and you could do dressage, cross-country jumping, and um, regular jumping in an arena and I would like systematically go through and like groom the horses feed the horses saddle them up ride every single course at every single difficulty level hours hours of my life just so absorbed in this so yeah I don't know I don't know (laughs) 10 year olds are magic and so are horses yeah yeah VR there you go there you go because if you could sit there maybe augmented reality is better or you're in your own Mm. like living room you have a horse and there's a horse in your living room that would be amazing. Yeah. It's in there sleeping so at your feet. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> oh you're sold. You'll buy a HoloLens for $10,000. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm investing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that w- it would be great if Star Stables was that. And I honestly, I didn't give it a bad review. I just said that <laughs> it is what it is, you know, and if yeah. you're into horses, you're probably going to like it. And if you're old like me and you got over your horse craze like 20 <laughs> years ago, then, you know. Well, you ran afoul of a couple of fangirls. I know. I have to. I have to go look at those comments. I did. I did lose like ten followers on Twitter. What? And so I I tweeted like, I blame the horses. (laughs) I blame the horses. You don't talk bad of horses on Twitter. Yeah. You lose so many people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) with that note, um, we're going to wrap it up. Mike, thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. This is great. This is fun. Yeah. Um, So if you have questions, comments, or feedback. You can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. You can find us on Twitter, pixelkin underscore org, and at Gaming with Moms. You can find us on Facebook, Simply Pixelkin, and you can watch our totally awesome videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash pixelkin org. I think I got all the social media. Sounds legit. It sounds legit, yeah. (laughs) All right, so thanks so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week. Bye. This podcast was recorded in the studios of the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle, Washington.